Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I do this as my full-time job, and every dollar you give helps keep it all going. You can also listen to my other podcasts, From John to Justin and Pucks and Cups. Chances are you've seen an episode of Corner Gas. Maybe you watched it during its original run, or perhaps you watched the movie. Or maybe you're watching Corner Gas animated right now. Either way, you most likely know who Sergeant Quinton Davis is. Played by actor Lauren Cardinal, he was my favorite character on the show. But Lauren Cardinal is more than just Sergeant Davis, the police officer we all love. He played multiple roles on Canada, A People's History. He was also the first Indigenous student to ever graduate with a BFA degree in acting from the University of Alberta, which he did in 1993. And he was the first Indigenous person to play for the Edmonton Druids back when they were known as the Strathcona Druids rugby team. But on top of that, he's created a production company with his wife, Monique, called Through and Through. He's acted in numerous things, North of 60, many stage productions, and most recently in a reoccurring role on FBI Most Wanted. I had the pleasure of talking with Lauren all about these things, what he's up to, what's coming up, and more. So let's get right to it. But before I get to the interview, I also want to say happy birthday, Lauren, because this episode comes out on his birthday, January 6th. Uh, how have you been over the past year with uh, with COVID and lockdowns and all of that? Um, we've been doing all right. We've been uh, hunkered down here in Squamish. So, uh, and uh, my wife, uh, Monique Perto has been busy putting the bones of our production company together. So when everything lifts, we'll hit the ground running, getting a yes. slate of ideas and slate of projects together and... Yeah, putting up the, you know, putting on the bones of the, uh, the company and all that fun business stuff. <laughs> uh, tell me a bit about the company. It's called Through and Through Films. Through the long way and then through and through the short way. So it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we, we're, we're looking for, uh, we're international uh, co-productions is what we're focusing on and uh so we uh, offer our skills as producers and writers, directors, and and uh, yeah, that kind of that kind of business, <laughs> and executive producers. Thanks, executive <laughs> producing, producing. Nice. Yeah, we can send you a link if you want to afterwards. Yeah, that would be great. Absolutely. Okay. Um, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and I guess uh, the next question uh, is in regards to, and I hope I pronounce it correctly. Um, were you surprised to get the the August? Is it Schelling Schellenberg Award? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess kind of a surprise to to get that. Uh, were you quite shocked when they when they let you know? It was a very nice surprise. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was close friends. Uh, I was good friends with Augie and uh, Joan and, and the family. So it was quite a it's quite an honor to uh, to receive that uh, recognition. And just joining, you know, the the previous winners who've been involved uh, with it before. So you know, it was is a very personal, uh, a high point in my career. Being you know, getting award uh, named after Augie is uh, mm. just uh, incredibly special. So, uh, have you? Yeah, uh, quite thrilled. Was there any kind of like? I guess it's kind of hard with COVID. Was there any kind of ceremony, or did they kind of just uh, send no, it to it you in the mail? Or... I, 
Okay. They did. <laughs> they sent it <laughs> me in the mail, but we did a uh, they did a virtual uh, uh, a, a video acceptance speech, and uh, yeah, and they let me know by email, and then uh, did I do? Oh, well, did a, a, a panel for Imaginative. Mm-hmm. So I did a, a panel on there, and um, and then uh, yeah, then they sent it in the mail, and we've just been spreading the word via social media. Nice. Uh, and so season three of Corner Gas Animated just finished a couple of weeks ago, I think. So uh, in mm-hmm. regards to that, is it uh, is it a bit of an adjustment to portray Davis uh, from live action to voice acting? It is because voice acting requires different uh, different set of skills. So you have to be really conscious that you're uh, telling the story with your voice. So when you're where we're recording, we actually act add physicality to our delivery to help with the sound and stuff. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a shift that way, but he's always a fun character to play. He's very, you know, he's, uh, he's just trying to plug into that, uh, that Davis switch that I got somewhere hidden in all the wiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it a bit difficult with, uh, with COVID? Cause I've seen pictures before where you guys are all together, mostly uh, kind of interacting with each other, but with COVID obviously we can't really do that. So is it a bit yeah, more it was, difficult? It was to a do lot- it was a lot more fun when before COVID because uh, it was nice to be in the studio with everybody. We had a lot of laughs and uh, we'd be doing a lot of goofing around and they'd be going, okay, okay, let's uh, go. Oh, yeah, right, right. right yeah, we got to go to work now. But, you know, so I miss hanging out with those, uh, with my, my favorite people. And uh, so, yeah, making the adjustment, it, it's a bit, it takes, I wouldn't say, it's just a little more of a challenge because I can hear, you know, we do it uh, basically four people at a time. So sometimes I get to do all my scenes with Tara and I hear her in Toronto and Eric in Toronto and Brent's in the other studio down the, down the hall. And then that's about it. And then we wait and then we, it's all scheduling now, the challenge of scheduling and, and then other people come in and they clean up the studio before you go, you go in. So there's a bit of a time gap to hang out. And so it is, uh, it, it is, uh, I'm glad we're still doing it, but yeah, the COVID has certainly, certainly put a kink into it. Uh, are you looking forward to uh, to doing a season four uh, with how successful it has been over the past three seasons? Yeah, I, I, I could I could keep doing the show for as long as people want. I mean, it's so much fun, and the writers are doing an incredible job, and the animators at uh, Smiley Guy Studios are, are are a brilliant bunch of people, and they're just adding, you know, adding more to the characters that we've developed over the six years plus movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well it's a great show i've loved it since i first started watching yeah it. yeah no it's years fun. ago <laughs> yeah so yeah um yeah covid has really put a dent in things because uh, i was doing another show called fbi most wanted mm-hmm. down in, it's a dick wolf show and i've got a recurring role in that and uh i did it at uh i did season two beginning of season two i went down to new york to film and uh the protocols were pretty, it was pretty intense because I had to go through three airports to get there. So that was a bit nerve wracking. Um, it was nice to see that most of the airports were kind, kind of empty. So not attacked as usual. So that was comforting. And, you know, Air Canada does a great job with their protocols and making sure everyone's masked up and gloved up. And so that, that was exciting. Um, and then onset protocols are quite uh, stringent down there as well. I think they are everywhere, but uh, Dick Wolf, and their their company certainly took it an extra a mile. So I was like, I've been tested there so much while I was waiting <laughs> to work. Mm-hmm. 
twice a day and uh, you know before you show up on set before you even get out of the van you get a temperature reading and then you get taken to a rapid covid place and get tested there and then if you're clear then you're taken into set with two people per van so there's a big 15 seater van and there's only the driver and two other actors max mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it, <laughs> the distance keeping us apart from each other is kind of it's the hard thing mm-hmm. but you know nobody wants to spread this virus so we're all abiding by it when you get to set there's pod areas you belong in pod a you can't go visit people in pod b or pod c there's you have to stay within your pod so <laughs> you know and there and we have covid police walking around to make sure everyone's um you know abiding by the rules jeez um, and, it, and it's yeah and it's work it's work i mean it's it's work because mm-hmm. you know we can't mess around this virus is is uh we can definitely stomp down the the spread of it if we everyone just adhered to wearing a mask, washing your hands, keeping social distance, you know, basic non-intrusive mm-hmm. exercise. And I don't know why people resist. I mean, it's uh, it's personal freedom is not a good enough. Personal freedom doesn't give you the freedom to infringe on my health, Absolutely. threaten my health or my family's health. So it boggles the mind. People, why? <laughs> yeah, people would get the message. We, you know, we could be in a but much better shape than. Mm-hmm. than we are right now instead of watching numbers go up we could be watching them flatten out would be awesome without a doubt uh in regards to fbi most wanted uh like in canada obviously everybody knows you as, as sergeant davis but uh, you also have a habit of popping up in things like we had mentioned before with canada people's history and then i was watching fargo and uh, suddenly mm-hmm. you were you're getting your uh, teeth uh, worked on by billy bob thornton <laughs> uh but is it a kind of a change to to do something with somebody like dick wolf and a serious uh, show like that that is so far removed from the character of of davis I, I love it. That's what I look for. I love, I love, uh, I go look for those challenges, change of paces. Cause I can, you know, you can only play Davis for so long before it's like, okay, we're, I need, I need more depth. I need to flex my acting muscles more than, than, uh, than playing Davis. I mean, he's great. He's fun, but he's very, he's two dimensional character. So, you know, the challenge is, is uh, bringing life and making him believable in his two dimensional world. Cause he doesn't have a lot of depth. We don't have a back long big back history that you know for him and stuff we never see his family come up and visit him and that uh, kind of stuff so um so yeah so uh dick i uh, i didn't audition for the dick wolf show they just reached out to me after they saw uh, uh my body of work as uh, jonathan strauss said they, they saw their body of work and they just offered me the role because uh they didn't want me to audition for a one-line character they said we just rather give it to you we didn't want to you know, insult you by asking you to audition. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> that's so American. That's awesome. <laughs> if that was more here in Canada, we'd be working all the time. But you know, that's the sad thing about the state of state of acting in this country and in, in mm-hmm. Canada is, you know, you know, Eric uh, Peterson and and uh, Corinne Coslow, they they go through the same thing. You know, they're masters at the craft, and then they go to the audition room with people who are just starting and stuff. So it's a bit of a bit of a slap in the face for all the work and body of work that you have behind you, you know, 30 year career for in various medias. And then you get relegated to being treated like you're just beginning and you have to prove yourself to some what behind the years producer who just came in, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit uh, insulting and, and hard, but that's, that's Canada. Yeah. You know, we don't, uh, we don't like to have a star system. 
<laughs> uh, so this year has been kind of a, a big year in terms of honors. You, you got the award, but then also, uh, actually, I'm just outside of Edmonton and at the Roxy Theater in Edmonton, uh, you, there's the, the, the Black Box Theater is being named after you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's another huge honor. You know, uh, my friend Bradley Moss and I, we went to university together and we, we did a lot of work at, uh, at, at this theater that he's running, the Roxy Theater Network. And uh, I've done, and that was that was my my haven, because I would do a season of Corner Gas, and then me and Brad would put in plans that let's do this show, so it would fall between. So right after I would you know do Davis, and then I would go do Sam Shepard, Drew West, you know, total flip of uh, <laughs> a character and more. So it was very interesting because I remember the first scene, um, in Sam Shepard's True West. I don't know if you know the play, but. Uh, it's two brothers, and uh, one's a writer, and the other guy's a drifter, you know, a dangerous drifter kind of dude. And that's who I was playing. And I knew we had this opening scene. He said, and then you just, and, and then we'd be waiting, and I'd wait in rehearsal. And then Brad would say, okay, you know, you come in right now. I said, no, well, I said, I will, but I know this is what we have to do. You have to give me a chance to set up my character because the audience won't go along with me when we they first see me. They're going to see me and they're going to go, oh, there's Davis. Oh, there's Davis. <laughs> so I got to, I had to take that first few minutes of just pacing around, you know, downing a bit, crashing it, just getting, and then look at glare at the audience. So they go, okay, that's not Davis. That's <laughs> not a, that's not somebody I want to mess with. Is that, <laughs> and then they would be in for the ride, you know, and then they would mm -hmm. enjoy the rest of the show. And I had people come up afterwards and say, no, I like you better as Davis. <laughs> you know, but uh, that's that's where my joy is, is, is playing a diverse range of characters and uh, always looking for that challenge, always looking for uh, people who can push me and stretch me and, and, and I can learn off of them, you know. Mm -hmm. That's my, my wife and I, we, when we're in our production company, our focus is to work with uh, veterans, industry uh, veterans who've been around so it brings our game up as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, and we're totally capable and, and, uh, and waiting to get into that uh, international co-pros and, you know, th those kind of things. Um, in regards to Davis, a little while ago, I did an interview with Jackson Davies and I asked him about playing Constable John. And it's kind of similar to da uh, Sergeant Davis where it's kind of a, not a goofy character, but it's kind of, I guess what has the response been from the RCMP to your character? Because you you know you don't portray him as the super serious do south character. He's kind of a you know a sweetheart, a goofy character, uh, but with a heart of gold. Has their response to it been pretty good? It's been it's been awesome. That was my first concern in the first season. Was I didn't want to um, seem like I was. Uh, <clears throat> uh, being disgr uh, disgracing the RCMP or the police officers because they do an incredible job and you know a highly dangerous job. So I you know respect what they do and have empathy for their for their jobs and the things that they face every day. And so that's what I didn't want. To, I didn't want to seem insulting to them and their and their job and their members. And um, uh, after the first season, I was directing an episode of of Mock or of uh, Rabbit Falls in Saskatoon and I was staying in my hotel and this guy comes saddling up to me and he's like dressed like a biker he's got a vest on and stuff and I'm looking over and he he gives me the old uh, up and down and goes oh yeah 
And I went, oh, <laughs> I think he recognizes me. So I say hello. And he goes, you're, you're that guy on that show, right? And I go, yep, <laughs> I am that guy on that show. And he goes, oh, I just want to let you know that I'm, uh, I'm the chief of police of this, I forget the town he named. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, I just want to let you know that uh, really like your job. <laughs> You did really good. You remind me of a lot of the members I work with. So, you know, they gave me the, the seal of approval. And actually, one of, one of the storylines, one of the storylines when I accidentally tased myself mm -hmm. in the hand, security yep. cam, I think it was called. Yep. And uh, I was in Jasper, driving through Jasper, and I stopped and all of a sudden I see this cop car crawling by, an RC cop car. And then it turns around and it comes up and whipping up to me and I'm going like, uh-oh, now what? <laughs> And uh, the guy uh, rolls down his window and goes, hey, Davis. I go, I go yeah. <laughs> he goes, you know, this guy here, he's shooting, thumbing at his partner and his partner just hangs his head and starts shaking his head. He goes, yeah, he tased himself like you did on that show. And I went, oh, nice. So it was based in reality. You know, I thought I made it up, but mm -hmm. apparently the young guy, uh, the young guy, uh, he, uh, in training, he accidentally, he didn't wait for it. He reloaded before it was fully discharged. So I still had a charge. He put, he's loading up the pads on the thing, and he actually he tased himself. <laughs> well, the member's got a good laugh at that. And, yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I was in Beaver Lodge, Alberta, uh, doing a school tour there, talking to kids, and uh, I, I rounded the corner, and there were like six cops in the hallway, and I immediately flattened myself against the wall. <laughs> Go to know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, and they, they and they all came just to hear me speak and, and talk and stuff and to meet me. So I shook their hands, took pictures, and. You know, because I have nothing but respect for the job that they do. So mm -hmm. it was nice of them to come out, and they and they all they all love Davis. So mission <laughs> accomplished. I didn't uh, I didn't you know be discreet or uh, insulting in my portrayal of them. So it was awesome. Nice. And and I've hung out with you know Paul Gross. Paul Gross and I when we we did a thing in 2005, the centennial when the Queen came mm -hmm. to Edmonton, and we're at the Commonwealth Stadium, and uh, Paul and I were co-hosting the event and introducing all the acts and stuff and and uh, as we were doing our rehearsal uh we heard behind us this thundering thing we looked behind it's all the rc guys i'm doing the rcmp charge on their horses right so of course my genetic memory kicked in and i ran <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so i got the hell out of the way and then uh, they came by later and uh thought, oh yeah they're you know and they came and they kind of pushed past paul gross and went hey davis and i went oh New cop in town, right? And so he's like, come on. He usually come after me. So it's good. So. That's awesome. Um, in yeah. regards to the, to your work this past year, like you said, FBI's most wanted, uh, Corner Gas animated. Do you feel like uh, this year, especially, we're seeing the importance of the arts, whether it's TV, movies, theater, things like that, to kind of uh, get us through tough times like this? Well, uh, I think the the the, t the TV is is uh, is helping us out a lot in that regards of giving people to watch and escape. But it's also making it very difficult for us to work as artists. Mm -hmm. uh, the theater community has taken a hard hit because we have to be together to work together, and it's hard to do a show when you're in a bubble. I've done a couple of Zoom play readings, and it's you know it's interesting. Uh, exploring the new media, but it's totally not the same. It's hard to get eye-to-eye -eye contact when when you have to look at a camera lens as opposed to a person, you know, and mm -hmm. so it's missing a gap. So that's the big challenge. And, um, but it is, it is nice because 
the the medium of TV and and uh, audiobooks are are helping people get through this time and reruns. People are watching a lot of the Corner Gas reruns, the action live action and the movie, and so that's awesome. And uh, the other show that I do is uh, Molly of Denali, uh, which is uh, a PBS show, which won a Peabody last year for mm-hmm. its for its show for youth programming. So you know, and those shows, especially Molly, I really love because it it's it's making it's helping kids ask questions that their parents have to answer. Like this one mm-hmm. episode uh, with some of the characters were talking about our ancestors and we're talking to little Molly about our ancestors so she can understand. And I was told this story, this this couple down in Texas were watching the show. And then the, after the show was done, their, their little daughter came up and said, mom, dad, do we have ancestors? And it's like, oh man, that's awesome. So they're now they're forced to answer that and talk to their kids about their family history and connecting on that level, you know, and I love, you know, that's the purpose of this medium is to get people to interact, not just to dull the mind, but to cause conversation, to cause reaction, to cause interaction. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful when that happens, when you, when you're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that is meant to dull your mind, <laughs> but there is some stuff that out there that makes you, did you enjoy like the corner gas i love the fact that grandparents and grandkids can watch the show together and they mm-hmm. can laugh together and just laughing together is good medicine absolutely that brings a uh, family unit closer together when you're able to laugh with each other mm-hmm. uh do you prefer what is there like do you prefer live action to to voice acting uh or do you like the equal both or do they both have kind of their benefits and disadvantages yeah, they, they both have their benefits. I, I love them both. They both require a different set of skills. So we're always shifting gears and, and fine tuning when I go from uh, to doing an animated to doing an audio book, which uh, I've, I've done a few lately. And it's a, it's a big challenge doing talking for four hours at a time and trying to keep uh, people involved auditorially. Mm-hmm. So there's a challenge there. You know, you have to have some some physical stamina to keep the pace at a certain pace and, uh, you know, the pitch not too high, not too low. You know, you can't dull people to sleep. You have to keep them focused on the story and keep trying to draw them in and keep them listening, you know? So that's a, that's a, a big challenge. And I, and I love doing that because I love challenges and exercising my other skills that I have. And I love directing as well. I mean, everything has its, has its um, charm. I would mm-hmm. say, because I love direct, I love working with actors. I love working with uh, uh, up and coming actors and, and learning lots from older veteran actors and uh, and learning lots from the crew. You know, mm-hmm. you know, working with guys who have been uh, like a DOP for 40 years. You can learn a <laughs> thing or two from, from those guys who've seen it all and done it all. And if you mm-hmm. want to learn, ask them questions, you know, and they'll <laughs> go, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so that's what I love doing is just getting in that environment. And it, and it harkens back to my rugby days when I played for the Strathcona Druids. It was my, my first team I played with. And, and those rugby skills I've taken with me into on stage and directing as well. Because when you're directing, the director is the team captain. The buck mm-hmm. stops here. And it's up to me to keep the, everyone focused and heading in the same directions, putting out fires as they come up and, uh, and trying to uh, uh, draw out... Uh, performances from from these uh, you know from from the actors you can hear it in the microphone when they're telling the truth and when they're not and that's what I listen for going oh, okay let's let's try it again but let's just try it with a little bit of this 
And then just my last question is, what do you got coming up for 2021? It's kind of hard to say with COVID, you know, everything's up in the air, but any projects, any, I, you mentioned uh, through and through, but anything coming up uh, next year? Um, I, I, I think I've talked my way into a couple of shows at Stratford. So I'm hoping that'll work out. That's, that's on my bucket list <laughs> of things to do is to work at Stratford because it's one of the you know premier Shakespeare mm -hmm. festivals in, in our country. So uh, I'd love to work there. So I phoned up uh, the uh, artistic director and said, hey, uh, I'm a little cardinal and this is my, my you know, I do this and do And they go, oh no, we've, we've heard of you. We, we know who you are. And they're like, oh, good. Well, I want to come play. Said, oh, okay. Well, that'd be awesome. And so, so we're doing a couple of plays and uh, here's some options that uh, you're going to do one or the other. and. And because of COVID too, the Stratford's taken a big hit because they weren't mm -hmm. able, able to produce a season, and um, and uh, so they're when when they're up and running again, they're going to do a season, but it's going to be under a tent outside of their theaters that they have there, and it's going to be uh, limited seating because you know it'd be socially distant seating, so maybe a hundred people under the big top. So that's going to be uh, that harkens back to the beginning of Stratford when they did it under the Big Top when it started in 1964 or whatever it was, 64, mm -hmm. 67, I think they started, and they did all their shows before they had the theaters. They did them in, in Big Top tents out out on the grounds there. So it, it's going to be a, a new beginning. They're going to start <laughs> again, and then hopefully by then the vaccine will be more readily available, and we'll be able to, uh, you know. Um, be together again in a, in an audience on stage and in the audience. So mm -hmm. I look forward to those days because it's very symbiotic. You can't have a great play without an audience. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. Because uh, they, they play, they play a part in all, all the productions that we, you know, all the stage productions that we do, you, you need an audience to make things work. Mm -hmm. That's who we do it for. So. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lauren Cardinal. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you want to reach me, you can. Just email craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website, where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And again, you can support the podcast by going to Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have. And I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Nick Zinri, Pamela Elder, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke Guess, Vic Hedges, JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, Spencer M., and Iris Gray. If you like, you can reach me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can also find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram. Just search for Bairdo37. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.